Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, worship your holy Bless the Lord, oh my 
your holy and your precious and amazing name we lift you up today and we bless you this morning we bless you today and all God's people said amen Amen. God bless you you can be seated good to have Carlton back with us this morning uh, to do a baptism would you guys say good morning to Carlton good morning Um, I'm gone for a couple of months and the horse trough leaves with me apparently This is wild. I love this. I am uh, so honored to be with you this morning. Um, We are in beginning our service with baptism of two of our students. Um, And so baptism is a beautiful representation of an interchange that's happened in the life of someone who was a sinner and did not know Jesus and then came to faith. And as a first act of obedience, uh, you get into the water and you do what Jesus did. It's going to be kind of neat this morning as Pastor shares with us about baptism. So we've got two candidates this morning for baptism. I'd like to introduce one of them to you. This is Chad Wingett. Chad, come on out. Um, if you are a family member or a friend of Chad, we would like to just recognize you now. So if you're a family member or friend, please stand up and let us recognize you. Give you a hand. Hey, guys, how you doing? So glad that you're here this morning. Chad, my brother, we have worked together for seven years, and it is my honor to be a part of your baptism. Um, Do you love Jesus? Did you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior? Mm -hmm. Has he forgiven you? And will you walk with him the rest of your days? Absolutely. Then it is my privilege, my brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. candidate. Come on out, Rick. Walk up here. Careful. Right there. This is Ricky Lau. Ricky is been with us for a while. Uh, let's call you Rick because Ricky sounds like you said. Rick sounds more manly. If you are a family member or a friend of Rick, would you please stand so we could recognize you as well? So glad to have you guys. 
What's funny is, is we share a common trait. You may not be able to see him right now. And that is why we love each other so. Rick, has there been a point in time where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you love him with all your heart? Yes. Will you follow him all your days? Yes. Then it is my privilege, my brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in the midst of life. so fired up about them being here. God's really using them. We're glad you're here as well. If you're visiting with us, you came in, you got a brochure. In that little brochure is a little section we encourage all of our visitors to fill out. You can drop it in the offertory plate or meet me after the service in the foyer. Just bring that to me. We'd love to give you a free gift for coming. But here's what I'd like to do. I want to recognize some college students. We got any college students up in the house today? Look at there. Several people here. Appreciate you guys coming and worshiping with us. And um, very cool. But let's stand to our feet now and let's welcome one another to God's house.
the Lord this morning. Let's lift up his name. Let's just sing about it. Yeah, let's pray. This morning dawn. This morning dawns and evening fades. You inspire songs of praise that rise from earth to touch your heart.
Thank you, Mitzi. Uh, I want to go ahead and encourage you, man. Whenever you came in, there's a little book, bookmark inside your folder. Great information. Gainesville Care is just a phenomenal ministry. I've had the opportunity to go down and see what they do. And, man, God's really using that to change people's lives, to give people direction. And we want to continue to pray for them. And our church obviously financially helps support them. But if you want to volunteer your time, please contact Mitzi. Man, we need some help. So they'd love to put you to work and you could serve other people. But right now, now let's say a word of prayer as we continue to worship the Lord. Father, it's great to be in your house. Thank you. The scripture makes it plain that uh, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, you do that. You, you knew us before, even in our mother's womb. And God, you have a purpose and a plan for every single life. And so in this moment, Lord, I pray really just for Hall County and White County, especially, Lord, just hearing how many babies have been aborted is just astonishing. But God, this is not a time for us to sit on our hands and do nothing, but it is a time for us to stand up for that which was right. And God, that is life. And there's no doubt, Lord Jesus, that you are the creator of life. Uh, so Lord, we don't even have the ability to take authority over another person's life because you are the creator of it. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name, you put your hand on Gainesville Care and our fellowship as we partner with them. And Lord, I pray that you would enable us to minister to more people and really give them biblical direction as they choose life. And not only this, Lord, I pray for the salvation of many souls as a result of this particular ministry. So God, just put your hand on it. Use Mitzi Lovell this uh, Saturday as she'll be sharing from her heart, God, just what you've done in her life. And I know that testimony and cannot wait for our ladies to hear it. So just bless her, fill her with your spirit and use her. And God, now we've come to your house to hear from you. So speak to our hearts. And God, just continue to reveal to us who you are so that we might be astonished in your name. And that's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Sickness has to 
Good name, Jesus. Amen. And uh, very, very excited. Appreciate you guys helping lead us in worship this morning. And indeed, we want to talk about Jesus today. So if you brought your Bible with you, Luke chapter 3 in your text, Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22 will be where we'll focus our attention this morning. Y'all let this choir know one more time. Many of them sung both services. Appreciate you guys serving in the ministry here. So, so awesome. Very good. As they're making their way to your seat, I will um, share a little story with you. It has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach on. Is that all right? If I can share this real quick, just kind of a neat story. Uh, my little girl went and spent the night, or I'm sorry, my little girl had somebody come by spend the night uh, a couple weeks ago, and they came, were hanging out, had a great time, and then the little girl went home, and uh, the family is, you know, they're members of the church, so they heard all about this. The little girl gets to her house, she hurts herself, she runs up to her mama, and says, hey, mom, can you give me some weed because I've hurt myself? And then immediately her mama said, what do you mean give some weed? So she responded, uh, Maddie, who's my little girl, Maddie's mama gives her weed whenever she hurts herself. <laughs> said, what are you talking about? Yeah, the whole family, they, they use weed whenever they're hurting and it helps them feel better. That's what their mama said. 
So I thought I'd share with you and confess the sin. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so uh, we were given over Christmas an aloe plant. And uh, Maddie hurt herself one time, and Krista took the aloe plant and broke it and helped her. So we ain't smoking weed at the Skipper House, all right? So I just want to settle that once and for all. Luke chapter 3. I told you it had nothing to do with what I was going to preach on, but let's stand to our feet if we can. Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. You've got it in front of you. Say amen. The Bible says, when all of the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, you are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Let's bow together. Father, this is your uh, divine word. We submit ourselves to your authority, uh, to your truth. And we desire to hear from you. So God, this morning, I need you by the power of your Holy Spirit to give me strength and unction from heaven to uh, preach your word with clarity. And God, I just pray that you would do what you desire this morning. God, I pray that it would go out and I'm claiming the promise that it never returns void. So for that very reason for which the word is proclaimed today, I'm trusting you to accomplish in the hearts of the hearers that which you desire. So Lord, we solely lean on you. There's no power in me, just simply need you to work. So I pray you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit and just speak, speak, speak. God, I pray we'd be able to leave here knowing that we've been in your presence and every person would be able to say without a shadow of a doubt they heard from you. God, I pray this morning uh, for the individual who has come and does not know you personally. God, declare yourself to them. May your mercy, uh, like a flood of river, cover over their life. God, I also pray for those who know you personally. As we look at a text that oftentimes we have read about, we've seen, God, astonish us with the reality of your word, and we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody said, amen. And you can be seated. Well, you could barely take a full breath. The air was thick and dry. Sweat rolled down slowly from their foreheads as they stood in line. Their feet were calloused, their calves were aching, and their arms were growing weary. But they refused to turn back. Although the wind seemed incapable of providing a degree of refreshment, what penetrated them in that moment went deeper than mere emotions and down deep into their souls. They had heard a voice like never before. The spiritual authority of this man burst through the religious activity of the day and issued a fair and yet acute warning. He said, repent, turn from your disobedience to God's law, be forgiven of your sins by God. If that's your heart's longing in prayer, then come be baptized here in the Jordan River. That's why the line grew so long. The afforded opportunity to turn from sin and be forgiven by God brought great relief. A relief that a mere breeze on a hot, arid day could not compare to. A discussion erupted among some while listening to this strong voice, surely sent by God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Could this be him? One question, listening to this strong voice, surely sent by the Lord. Do you mean the Messiah? Another responded. Well, who else would I be talking about? They had this in their mind, but now it was all out in the open. It was on the table for further exciting discussion. Who is this man? 
One man began to stare off into the distance, fully immersed in a daydream of his early years. His mother was cleaning up after dinner while his father summoned the entire house into the same room. Uh, Children, come, I've got some good news for you to hear. The children, all three of them, sat at the feet of their father, looking up for this news like a young bird craving an early worm. Abba, Father, what is it? Father, Abba, please tell us this news that you speak of. And the mother joined the children and took the smallest and sat him on her lap. And calm down, children, calm down, but listen very closely. The God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, made a promise to our beloved King David in the past. Their eyes grew wide as they tilted forward in anticipation of this great promise. You see, children, God promised King David that after his death, he would raise up a descendant from him who would establish an everlasting kingdom. He would usher in peace among Israel. This man, God himself, would call his son. This even the children desired. After witnessing, of course, the oppression of the Roman authorities, they longed for a Messiah king. Kingdom, peace, God's Son. I mean, these thoughts ran delightfully on the playground of their imaginations. However, the daydream was interrupted by reality when someone shouted out, What is John doing? He'd stopped baptizing. He began walking toward the bank of the Jordan River. His eyes, they were fastened upon another. Following the visionary pathway of John's gaze, the crowd saw another man. This man was Jesus. He'd come to be baptized by John the Baptist. Oh, it was apparent that John was having trouble with the idea of baptizing Jesus, no doubt. His eyebrows furrowed as the unfathomable thought of performing this baptism raptured his mind. The feet of Jesus, they sank into the sandy banks of the Jordan River on that day as he began to walk into the waters. John, following closely behind him, was trying to prevent him from getting into the water. John's once booming voice of certainty was engulfed with self-doubt, as recorded in Matthew's gospel, John saying, but Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and you come out to me to be baptized? Such was the scene of the baptism of Jesus Christ, and in Luke's gospel this morning, you and I, we gather together at the edge of the banks of the Jordan River, and we witness with fresh eyes, Lord willing, this very unique event. See, from this text, I want to make a few observations by asking the question, why was Jesus baptized? I felt that was the glaring question of the text, considering the fact that John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So those who were coming out to be baptized by John were coming to signify that they had turned from their sinful ways. However, we know Jesus, he was without sin. The Bible makes it very plain in the book of Hebrews, he was tempted in all ways as we are, yet he is without sin. So again, why was Jesus being baptized? I want to give you four reasons for that this morning. The first reason is his baptism linked him with the ministry of John. His baptism linked him with the ministry of John. You see, his baptism by John really commended the ministry of John to the people. While John wasn't aware of the fact that he would actually baptize Jesus in the Jordan, He was aware of his role as to prepare the way of the Lord. So his preaching and his baptism in the waters became a platform, as it were, for Jesus to display himself to Israel. This was, of course, one of the reasons John the Baptist came baptizing according to the New Testament. 
In John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 31, John the Baptist explains why he is baptizing. He says, I am baptizing so that he, speaking of Jesus, might be manifested to Israel, so I come baptizing in water. If we can think of it in this manner this morning for just a moment. The waters, please see this in your mind's eye, the waters of the Jordan River actually became a stage a stage upon which Jesus would display himself to both John and all of Israel. This, by the way, was not the first time God used water as a stage to display himself. In the book of Genesis, we read of the beginning. The earth was formless and it was void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Notice the word waters. The stage was set. Then Genesis 1 and 3, God said, let there be light and there was light. Run from the waters in Genesis to the waters in the Jordan River and see how the stage is once again set for God to speak. And might I suggest he made the comment without a word on that day as Jesus Christ was being baptized in the Jordan River. It was as if all of heaven and God himself were saying, let there be light. And there was light. The word in flesh, Jesus Christ, would soon openly confess, by the way, to his onlookers that I am the light of the world. Uh, there at the Jordan, the light of the world, Jesus Christ came to openly manifest himself to Israel. See the light in Genesis, also see the light in the Jordan. This baptism linked him with John's ministry. It also was a marker of the beginning of his own public ministry. After his baptism, Jesus set his face like flint to go to the cross. But then there's a second reality about this baptism. Let me suggest that his baptism unveils the Trinity. See, while the term Trinity is not found in the Bible, it serves as the term to describe the character of being three. You have God the Father, God the Son, and also God the Holy Spirit. Now, while I have named God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, make no mistake this morning in thinking that we are called to worship three gods. Scripture makes it plain that there is only one God. In fact, the early Israelites recited it, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So while there is one God, the Scripture embraces the doctrine of three divine persons in one Godhead. Often it's been called the triunity. You see, the Father is called God in 1 Corinthians 8 and 6. The Son is called God in Hebrews 1 and 8, Romans 9 and 5. The Holy Spirit is called God in Acts chapter 5, verses 3 through 4. So in our text this morning, we see the Trinity, all three divine persons of the Godhead. We have Jesus in the water, God the Son. We have the Holy Spirit of God descending upon Him as a dove. We likewise have God the Father speaking from heaven. Oh yes, His baptism reveals the Trinity. But then there's a third reality, and this is my favorite one, but his baptism reveals his ministry. See, there's no doubt that this baptism of Jesus would have been a prophetic picture of his future baptism unto death and his resurrection. For even Jesus in Luke chapter 12 and verse 50 used the idea of baptism to picture his impending death. His baptism, therefore, pictures the fact that he would undergo death and also experience a resurrection. However, to take these concepts further, please follow my train of thought. As I meditated on this passage of Scripture, it was amazing some of the things that I feel the Lord has taught me. His baptism reveals his ministry as a priest. 
See, washing in the water before ministering to God was often used in the Old Testament. Specifically, my mind has been carried back to Exodus chapter 29. The rules of worship were being outlined specifically for the priest of the tabernacle. Prior to entering into the tabernacle to perform the sacrificial duties of God for the people of Israel, the Bible says that they bathed, they were washed. Exodus 29 and 4 says, Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. They were ceremonially washed prior to their service as a priest. This idea of washing before performing priestly duties would be awesome this morning. Awesome. If Jesus were a priest, wait a minute, Jesus is a priest. Hebrews 5 and 10, he was designated by God as the high priest according to the, elder, uh, the order of Melchizedek. So at his baptism, could this not be seen as a ceremonial washing of a high priest? After washing, the priest of the Old Testament would slaughter a lamb on behalf of the sins of Israel. They would carry the blood of that lamb into the Holy of Holies of the Old Testament tabernacle. Uh, there, they would have taken the blood of the lamb and they would have covered the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, inside the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments. The blood covered over the broken laws of Almighty God. Now, while all of this occurred in the earthly tabernacle, the book of Hebrews teaches us that the earthly tabernacle was only a picture of the true heavenly tabernacle of God. After being immersed into the waters of the Jordan, Jesus would come up ready to accomplish his priestly ministry. However, his priestly ministry would be carried out in the true heavenly tabernacle of God, which is located in heaven. But he needed to carry a sacrifice, did he not? Oh, indeed, the ultimate high priest sacrificed no lamb. The Lord Jesus Christ allowed himself to be sacrificed on the cross as the lamb sent for the sins of the world. He was buried. He was resurrected. He ascended into the heavens. Allow your mind this morning to see Jesus, the great high priest, entering into heaven's tabernacle where God is located. See him there. See him walking directly into the inner sanctum of that worship center and into the Holy of Holies. See him there before God the Father. He is standing not with a lamb. He's standing as the lamb. And even John the Baptist said this, did he not? When he saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, God's wrath was fully satisfied by Jesus' work on the cross. And he welcomed his son to sit down upon the mercy seat of heaven at the Ark of the Covenant, covering over the sins of humanity. What a great work this is. In fact, whether uh, you're aware of it or not, Jewish history teaches us that they never saw a priest sitting down. And the reason they never saw him sitting down is because it was thought that his work was never done. But when the Lord Jesus walked into heaven's tabernacle, the Bible says he sat down. It's as if he is making an exclamation point on the very fact of which he said on the cross, it is finished. All of our sin has been atoned for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And glory be to God. In Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, the Bible says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, 
Let us hold fast to our confession. Let us draw near with confidence through the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Aren't you glad this morning that the mercy of God is new every single day? My Bible says His mercies are new every single morning. No matter what you did yesterday, when you got up this morning, God's mercy was brand spanking new. His grace is lavished from the throne room of Almighty God in heaven. And He lays it out there for every person to take hold of. You may be here this morning and you have never turned from your sins and trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You may be thinking to yourself, there's no way God would accept me. I want you to know this morning, based upon the authority of God's Word, He will accept you if you'll come to Him clinging to the cross of Jesus Christ. He will put out the grace for you, man. He will lay out the mercy carpet and your life will forever be changed. It's what God does. He's a gracious, merciful God. He's a high priest. How awesome it is that his baptism not only reveals him as a priest, but his baptism reveals his ministry as a king. You know, as I looked at this baptism, my mind could not escape the anointing of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. The people were looking for a Messiah king. One would usher in an eternal kingdom. That's what they anticipated. That's what they desired. And this idea of anointing holds great biblical and historical significance for us. The act of anointing someone was indeed set aside in many cases for the consecration or the coronation of a new king. Remember David of the Old Testament. That young shepherd boy, he was brought in by Jesse of Bethlehem. The prophet Samuel was called of God to go and anoint one of this father's sons to be the next king of Israel. And Jesse from Bethlehem showed up and he lined all of his sons up. He was so proud of all of them. He said, it's got to be one of these. And God said, no, 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 none of these. So Samuel responds to Jesse of Bethlehem and says, excuse me, uh, sir, are these all your sons? Uh, Jesse sheepishly responds, no, 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 I do have one more boy. You sure you want me to bring him in? And by the way, you study the text, you'll find he doesn't even name him. But David came, the youngest, the rut of the litter, so to speak. And then God said, hey, that, that, that's him there. First Samuel 16 and 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. There in the Jordan River. Can't you see the promised king of Almighty God? Oh, they thought that it might be John. Surely this is the one. Maybe this is the one we're looking for. But then God's like, no, 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 not him. Then Jesus shows up. And as he lets his breath out, bursting from the water, heaven opens up and the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove. The public anointing of Jesus, the coronation of the true King of kings and the Lord of lords. What a phenomenal picture that is. The establishment of Christ as the true long-awaited Messiah King. That's who he is. What's the deal with that dove? Looking at this dove, it drives me nuts studying it. What is the deal with the dove? The dove has long been a picture of peace and tranquility. This depiction occurred after the mass flood of the world. Follow me now with your mind. During the days of Noah, when he and his family were told to build an ark and get in it because God's wrath was going to ravish the world. It rained and it rained. As the unrepentant people throughout the world were drowned violently. The people who said, we don't need God. We don't believe in God. When the waters started rising, they started believing. Are y'all all right? 
It's too late then. However, following the rain, Noah let loose a dove from the ark, the Bible says. The dove disappeared, and then it returned with a branch in its beak. This let Noah know that the waters, which represented the wrath of God, had receded. And there was now peace and tranquility on the earth. You know, as my mind meditates on the imagery of the dove in Luke's gospel, I cannot help but think about what is happening. The waters which Jesus, the waters which Jesus went under only pictured his soon coming death on the cross. Where the unrepented of the Old Testament were drowned by the wrath of God, there on the cross, the sinless Son of God was drowned by the wrath of God Oh, indeed, Jesus suffocated as he hung there on a tree, pushing himself up and down, seeking to take another breath until finally he was out. Three days later, he got up from the dead. He then ascended into the heavens. And how could you and I be sure that the wrath of God was truly satisfied on our behalf? Shall I say it like this? There needs to be a dove sent. Since Acts chapter 2, when a person repents of their sins and trusts Jesus Christ, their, his death, his burial, and his resurrection as payment for their sins, they can know that God's wrath against them is satisfied because in that moment, the Holy Spirit of God like a dove comes to reside within them. Indeed, the Spirit of God, it represents peace. He represents peace to the world. He represents peace to the sinner. We who are at odds with God, at war with God, can now, based upon the baptism of Jesus unto death and his resurrection, listen, you and I now, we can be absolutely certain that we are at peace with Almighty God, not based upon what we have done, but all because of what he has done. Those of us who've experienced the peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord, listen to what the Bible teaches. Are y'all with me? Say yes. The Bible teaches that if you are a follower of Jesus, look at this preacher, eyeball to eyeball, I want you to hear this. The Bible says you have been adopted into the family of God. You have been washed free. You've been absolutely cleansed by the sacrifice of our high priest Jesus. Which, by the way, just a good little picture in the Old Testament. When they talked about washing sins, it was the picture of taking a piece of cloth that was dirty, putting it out, stomping on it, putting the soap on it, and completely washing it clean. When we come before God with humble hearts and genuinely need to be saved, that's what we're doing. We're just old rugs, man. Laying down before God and saying, God, cleanse me. God washes us clean by the blood of His Son. You've been given a spirit of adoption, the Bible says, whereby you can cry out, Abba, Father, your eternal Father. Let me say it like this. Your eternal Daddy is the King of glory. Now think about it this morning. Are you all with me? Say yes. Think about this this morning. If my Father is the King and I have been adopted, what does that make me? Are y'all out there? A prince. <laughs> if you are here this morning as a lady and you've responded to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've been saved, your daddy's the king and you are a princess. And the Bible, no wonder it says it so clearly in Revelation chapter 5 that one day we will rule and reign with him. His baptism reveals his ministry as priest. His baptism reveals his ministry as a king.
Y'all still with me? Say yes. Last point, his baptism pleased his father. The voice came from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. This happened, obviously, at his baptism. Signified as well that God was putting Jesus, his son, forth for public ministry. And God's timing is always perfect. That was the time. And what pride, biblical, holy pride, filled the heart of God as he looked at his only begotten son, being baptized, understanding that that was going to picture the wrath that he once would receive in his body. It's my son. Now, this past week, I wasn't going to share this this service because Krista's in here, but I'm going to now. Y'all with me? Say yes. Uh, Krista went to a minister's wives conference this past week. In the context of doing that, um, Thursday afternoon, I had to keep the children. Um, they are mine, so I was there at the house Thursday afternoon. I have four kids, four of them. Did I say, did I? So she leaves the house, and here I am looking at these four children, thinking, what have we done? But anyway, so I'm, I'm looking... <laughs> Look at these kids, man. I've got to take care of these kids. So I get all sharp. And I'm ready to go at it, man. I got my, you know, captain's hat on, barking out some orders. It's going on. So we get in there, boy, and we got some stuff done. We got food on the table. I bathed them, dressed them, had them into bed. Said, when y'all wake up tomorrow morning, here's your clothes. Make sure you put them on before you come downstairs. Don't come downstairs without these clothes on. So that morning, they come downstairs, and all of a sudden, it dawned on me. I think Garrison, who's eight years old, can have a little more, more responsibility. Are y'all out there? Say, so Garrison, come here, son. Um, yesterday, what did I feed you for breakfast? Pop-Tarts. Uh, guess what you're going to eat for breakfast today? Pop-Tarts? That's exactly right. I will them and deal them, baby. That's how I roll. Yeah. <laughs> I'll raise your Pop-Tart. But anyway, so... Uh, Got the Pop-Tarts out there. I said, son, I guess what? He said, let's do this, man. You go in there, and uh, you know how to work the microwave. That's how we cook Pop-Tarts, too. Put them in the microwave. You know what to do, man. You know how to pour milk? He said, yeah, you pour some milk. Pour some milk for all your brother and sister, all them other people in there. You pour milk for them. Give them some Pop-Tarts. I'm going to go take a shower. So I left the room. No, it's all good. Chill out, man. Y'all don't know Garrison. Came back. Not only had they been fed and milked, I didn't come out right. <laughs> Not only had they been fed. <laughs> everything was cleaned up. And I just walked in there and looked at Garrison. I was so proud of him. Son, proud of you. You did an awesome job. You get to cook supper tonight. <laughs> Listen, now, have you ever come to a point in your life where you've got kids and you looked at them and you were just so proud of them, you're just bursting? God reached back to heaven. That's my son. I'm so pleased with him. It is unique when you begin to consider the unconditional, agape, unstoppable, unchangeable love that flows within the Trinity. Boggles our mind. And also to think that the Trinity is sufficient without us. But he invites us in. And then he prays, I pray you guys, this is Jesus, I pray you all would be unified as me and my father are unified. <laughs> Good night. 
but his baptism. Links with John's ministry, reveals the Trinity, reveals his ministry, pleases the Father. And then check this out. The bookends of the ministry of Jesus in the gospel, it's awesome. His baptism comes out openly. His public ministry, three, three and a half years. And then, listen, he talks to us at the end of Matthew's gospel and the others. And he says, now you go and preach the gospel to all nations. Teaching them everything that I've commanded you. And listen, baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's bookends. And listen, what's the deal with our baptism? What happened when I was baptized? Are y'all listening and say yes? What happened when I was baptized? When I was baptized, I was linking myself with the ministry of Jesus. Just as Jesus linked himself with the ministry of John when I was baptized, I was linking myself with the ministry of Jesus. When I was baptized, it revealed the Trinity. What do you mean? Well, the Bible says that when they baptized me, they said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I was baptized, it was a picture of acceptance into his ministry. Listen, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to follow you. I want to honor you with my life. And then check this out. When I was baptized... It pleased the Father. Y'all look at me. Some of you have prayed to receive Jesus, but you haven't been baptized yet. You know what you need to do? Get baptized. Y'all out there? So it says, well, why in the world uh, does it save me? No, 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 no. But it does link you with the ministry of Jesus. It is you saying, man, I am unashamed of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. I don't care what anybody says. You know, I often think about it this way, and I'll, I promise I'm closing up this message, so look at me. Wake up. Y'all wake up? Look at me. When I was young, I looked up in the baptismal pools and saw my mom up there getting baptized. And I remember sitting there thinking, what in the world is she doing? Getting baptized. I thought she was a Christian, thought she's already been baptized. Come to find out that she had prayed to receive Jesus Christ later in her life. She was baptized when she was a young kid. Listen, listen. Because that was the culture of the church. Just what they did. You get around seven or eight, we're going to baptize you. Y'all out there? But she didn't know Christ. So really, was she baptized? No. She had an extra bath that day. That's all she did. There's no baptism because baptism is for believers. So she came to know Jesus later in her life. And then she went and got baptized. I can imagine what wrestling she would have had in her brain. And I've talked with people who've wrestled with this. But, but Levi, I know I got saved when I was 30. Uh, but I was baptized back when I was 8 years old. No, you weren't. You're clinging on to something. Wasn't baptism. Baptism happens after salvation. Because that's when you can actually go under. Buried with Christ. Raised in newness of life. Baptism. Look, somebody says, why are y'all baptized down there? Because y'all Baptist church? No, because we read our Bible. Y'all all right? Because we read our Bible. It's what it says to do. It's amazing, too. I, I look at a, a buddy of mine who studies Anabaptism. Anabaptist, the history. I read a whole book of it in like three days. I was really hoping he'd ask me about it because I thought I'd be real slick and he'd think I was smart. He never asked. But it was amazing. These people, they were going out to be baptized. And listen, let me tell you why they were called Anabaptists. Look at the preacher, eyeball to eyeball. The reason they called them Anabaptists during that particular day is because it literally meant rebaptism. 
So you say, look at all these people out there re-baptizers. Well, they grew up in the Catholic tradition. They were sprinkled. They already been baptized. Look at them out there getting re-baptized. So you know what they began to do? Gather a bunch of groups together and say, y'all want to get baptized? We're going to kill you. We'll put you to death. As a matter of fact, you want to get baptized, I'll tell you what we'll do to kill you. We will drown you. You want to go under the water, we'll hold you under. You know what people did? People walked to a martyr's death to be baptized. Are y'all listening? They would go out there to a martyr's death to be baptized. Because they trusted what Jesus Christ had done and stood upon his word. It's amazing what happens when we trust what Jesus has done and we stand on his word. And then we got some people tick me off. They talk about how they can't be baptized because their hair get messed up. You got to be kidding me, your hair. Your hair don't look that good anyway. Y'all all right? Let's start over. Wet that stuff. We got some blow dryers back there. We'll grease you up. Man. But he talk about some of the silliest stuff. And uh, Well, I'm just... Stop it. All right? If you've come to Christ, you need to be baptized. If you ain't, let's get it baptized. All right. Well, let's bow together. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to hearts now.